you take a look at the book of Job, and like I said, the book of Job is a lot about perspective. Job, we have Job, of course, you've got Job's friend, uh, you have God and Satan in the, kind of in the background, and when I think about it, we think about Job, of course, uh, we think that, you know, he went through a lot of suffering, and, and that's a lot of the, the story, there's a little bit of backstory in that Job is approaching what is happening to him from a certain perspective. Because he has no idea what is going on behind the scenes between God and Satan to cause everything that has happened in his life. He has no clue that Satan has gone to, to God to say, you've got this servant Job, let me test him because he'll deny you to your face. And of course, God has the perspective and he knows what Job is, he knows Job's strengths, he knows Job and everything that he can handle. But Job is not aware of what's going behind the, on behind the scenes. The only thing he thinks is if, if I could just get before God and, and plead my case to him, I, I'll know I'll come out righteous. And of course, Job's friends are like, well, you must have done something wrong to deserve this, Job, and that's why this is happening. So... All this perspective is coming to play in here. And near the end of the book, after Job has talked several times about pleading his, his case to God, God appears to him in a whirlwind and talks to him. And the first five verses of an extensive, um, I guess you could call it a speech from God, goes into um, a lot of things, but I just want to focus on these first five verses to kind of start us off this evening. It says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measures? Surely you know or who stretched the line upon it. And then he goes on and talks about the creation of the world, a creation of other things, and into a very detailed thing that Job is now saying, or God is saying to Job, where were you when I did all this? And that's where I'm coming about from tonight in our, in our lesson. So, perspective is probably one of the biggest things that, as humans, sometimes we overlook. You go to a friend and start talking to them about Jesus. And they're saying, oh, I'm not interested. And you wonder why. And then the, it seems like the conversation stops. They don't really interact with you anymore. You don't know what's going on in their life sometimes. You don't know why... They don't want to hear about Jesus. We see people on TV. We see people defending the president. We see people railing against the president. We see all these different things that sometimes we don't know what perspective they're coming from. Our personal views in life often determine what we focus on. Of course, Job and his friends, like we said, have a very one-sided perspective. 
And as we go through life, we don't know when we talk to somebody what they're going through. We may come up to somebody and and ask them how they're doing and they're very curt to us. And you're like, well, why are you being so mean to me? We don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know if that person got a speeding ticket before they came to you or they've got a parent that is sick and they just don't have time to talk to you right now. We often throw our perspective onto people that we come in contact with. And I want to examine our lives from a physical standpoint for a little bit. Because if I would say to everyone in here that we are the, God's special creation, we are the centerpiece of God's creation. He, we are the only beings that He made in His image. That makes us feel special. So, as if you don't know me, I'm a, a science teacher at heart, so I like a lot of science, so I got some science pictures here that we're going to look at. Anybody tell me what these are? Anybody see what those are? Pictures are hard to kind of see. These are atoms. You know, many of you may have gone to school at one time and says, oh, we can't see atoms. Guess what, people? We can see atoms now. If you didn't know that, okay, these are three elements on the periodic table. Very, very small. These are, there's only about 90 elements naturally that you can find in the earth. So you go out and dig in your yard, you can find any combination of elements, but there's only about 90. And what you're made up of is even less than that. Those go into making molecules like, anybody know what this one is? DNA, very good. Okay, this is a a representation of molecules of DNA, which has these things, which if you can see, these are carbon chains. Oh, we're not getting getting all that, but your DNA makes you, you, and your children, who they are, and who make your grandchildren, and generations upon generations on. I think everybody knows it. Well, you guys don't get this a lot in Montgomery, but this is a snowflake for those of you who don't know what it is. Okay? Snowflakes. What's interesting about snowflakes? They're unique. There are no two snowflakes exactly alike. You know how, anybody know how many inches of snow Buffalo got last year? It was a lot, I'm pretty sure. All of that snow and no two snowflakes exactly the same. Isn't that amazing? Everybody's got one of these. That's your brain. Nice color-coded picture. It's not exactly uh, accurate. And, and I like this picture that I have up here next. Is This is, this is a t-shirt that somebody made. Okay? This is a t-shirt. Of course, you're a human being, 100% organic. Uh, Handle with care, isn't that, we see that a lot. But there's this nice little thing down here about what you're made up of. Some hydrogen, some oxygen, some carbon, all this stuff. Compared to all of that, we get a very 
good perspective because all these things are really small. These atoms, these molecules, you, know, you can talk about snowflakes are very small. They give us a sense of, wow, we're pretty important in this universe. We got all this small stuff on the, on the earth here. But then let's go the other way. Okay, here's Montgomery, Alabama. Of course, then we can go out to the state of Alabama. Okay, there's Montgomery. And, well, a little bigger. Eh, Montgomery's still in the center, about right there. And uh, whoops, there's the Earth. This is a flat map. It's obviously not the globe itself. But, you know, Montgomery's, you know, right about there. And then we go out to the moon. Well, Montgomery's on the other side of St. Ted's. Can't tell what that is. South America, maybe. So, no, I don't know. It's on there somewhere. <laughs> okay. This is the heliosphere. Okay, here's Earth. Here's our sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really pinpoint Montgomery on there very well. It's you know somewhere on that blue dot there. Uh, but this. If you ever heard of the, the Voyager 1, Voyager 1 is out here somewhere. They said it was busting through the known universe, our, our part of the universe. Okay. This is the Milky Way. Our sun is right about there somewhere. That's just the Milky Way. This is the what we call the local group. And I don't know where the Milky Way is. Oh, I can't find it. But this is the, the group that's around. These are the galaxies that are around us. And this is a depiction of the observable universe. And we're somewhere in this area here. Does that make you think a little bit? And the God that created this entire universe, he created all of that. And he takes the time to listen to your prayers. He takes the time to worry about pay attention to your needs. You know, it's amazing when I, when I think about everything that God has done in his creation in six days, how he could create all that in six days. He could probably create it in like six seconds if he wanted to. It took six days to do it. It, it kind of gives you a, a little bit of perspective. And, and it makes you think how humanity is today. I, one of the biggest questions that people like to ask is, you know, how, well, if you really think about it, how much are you worth? Now, if we're talking about the flesh and the bones and the organs and the skin and all the stuff that's in your body, 
If you broke it down to elements, you would be worth about $15. Now, that doesn't include, I was kind of, because when you look at this on the internet, the, you, you type in how much is the human body worth, they'll start talking about if you sold like a kidney for $20,000 and your skin is worth like $50,000 in the black market. I didn't count that. But if you look at what your body is made up of, all of the elements and the atoms and everything like that, you're only worth about $15. But think about what you're worth to God. And the physical perspective says I'm only worth about $15. Cent, or $15. That's not a whole lot, so I'm not really going to take care of myself. But God says infinitely more that you were worth something better. Like we said before, humanity is different from the, the animal world. If you take a look at the book of Genesis chapter 1, let's go ahead and turn there. Genesis chapter 1. And if you take a look at what Moses records for us in Genesis chapter 1, it's day 6. He's created the entire earth, the entire universe. He's created plants and trees, uh, birds, uh, fish. And he creates animals on day 6. But then he takes the time in verse 26 to talk about a different type of animal. In verse 26 he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. and Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So humanity is different than the animal. You take a look at what science says about animals, and we share a lot of our DNA with animals. Of course, that's how they came up with the idea of natural selection and evolution, that we came from monkeys because we share so much DNA with them and things like that. And while that is true, that we do contain a lot of the same things, we all have stomachs. Monkeys have stomachs. Fish have stomachs. You know, a lot of animals have stomachs. A lot of animals have legs and arms and hair and skin. But there's lots of things that make you different than the animals. Those things are you have the image of God. You've got a spiritual side to you that the animals do not have. God took the time to say that this human that I'm going to create is going to be like me. He's going to be able to think. He's going to be able to reason. He's going to be able to follow rules. And of course, we know he's going to be able to break rules as well. But he created us so much different 
than the animal. And again, when we take a look at that in our perspective, that should really cause us to think about what God has in store for us. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. And of course, he's talking to Jeremiah here. That he made him a prophet. Even before Jeremiah was born. But if he, if he knew Jeremiah before he was born, he knows us all. He knows a lot about you. He knows everything about you and me. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10. I'm used to using my actual Bible. Matthew chapter 20 or Matthew chapter 10 verse 26. And Jesus is talking here, and he says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than many sparrows. So God has this special relationship with humanity. Of course, we ended up breaking it in the Garden of Eden, Adam and, and Eve. But the God of the universe is interested in you and me enough. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about every person who has ever lived. He knows everything about the people who will ever live. Right now there's about 7 billion people on this earth. I have trouble finding information about the four in my household probably very similar to you as well. But God knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our wishes. He knows our weaknesses. And that should really put, us, put things in perspective for us. Because even those who don't acknowledge God that don't have anything to do with him. God still knows them. And he wants them to come home. Because humanity is, even though we're different, humanity is delinquent. Because we talked about, and you, we all know the story in, in Genesis, chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 3, about what had happened. But I think Romans chapter 1 gives us gives us a better perspective about the relationship between God 
and man. A little bit in depth. Um, we're not going to read the entire passage. Uh, we don't have time, I think, to do that. So I would encourage you, of course, if you would like to read it at home. Um, but I think a lot of us know what is contained here in John or Romans chapter 1. Um, Paul has just talked to the Romans. He's introduced his letter. And he's talking about the power of the gospel, how he's not ashamed of it. And then he goes into this section where he talks about the need for humanity for that gospel. Because he talks about this gospel that has the power to save Jews and Greeks. But there are people in the world that will not listen. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their righteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to him. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Uh, and he talks about, in verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Um, he talks about worshiping, in verse 25, serving the creature rather than the creator. Um, God gave them over, in verse 26, to dishonorable passions. Um, verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Verse 32, though they knew God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And we took a look at all those pictures. Uh, we took a look at atoms and DNA. You know, people, humanity, those were the people who discovered these things. People kind of, you know, just like you and me. They went to school for certain things. They studied different things. But they're really no different than you and I. They were made the same way. They have the same problems that we have. The difference is, many people would spend endless hours studying atoms and stars human body, and, and all these scientific things, and I'm not, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that those things should be studied, but they will spend thousands of hours trying to determine what gave elements mass. They spend thousands and millions of dollars, billions of dollars to create machines that could try to replicate what they think happened at the beginning of the universe. But they don't want to take the time to just look at nature and appreciate what God has done. Because they don't want to acknowledge Him. They would rather look at the creation, this physical nature, than the Creator who made it. Because if they acknowledge that there is a Creator out there that made it, they have to acknowledge that he expects things of us. I don't know if you know a whole lot about 
the Big Bang theory or Darwin's origin of the species and, and evolution. But if you've ever even taken a look at some of that, there has to be a great deal of faith to hang your hand on saying, this is what I think, where the universe came from. Because they have it down to several picoseconds after this big bang that happened as to, well, this is what happened. You know, you've got all these particles floating around, and they coalesce. They start to form electrons, and they start to form protons. And they, they have these grand ideas about what happened, according to them, billions of years ago. But they're no more fanciful saying than first day God created light, heavens and the earth. The difference is if they hold on to that, they hold on to this idea that there is no God that allows them to sleep at night because then there's no consequences for the things that they do wrong in a further life. Yeah, there's consequences, but once they die, who cares? Uh, it doesn't mean anything, this life. I'm just going to get all I can get. I'm going to die, and that's it. It's a very, very poor perspective, I think, to have about life. And we, we have seen it, I think, in the last several years, how mankind has become bolder, more arrogant, I think of Richard Dawkins and Stephen Hawking and, and all these people who get on TV and say that there is no God with, in their minds, a degree of certainty. Because that's all there is in this life for them. And they become arrogant, trying to determine, well, this is, this is what happened. This is how you came about. It's a very poor perspective to have on life. Man has become callous to sin. You know, I, I haven't been alive that long. Um, but I, I, I think about when I was growing up, uh, the worst thing that I think I saw on, on TV, uh, you know, I think of, Tim the Toolman Taylor on, you know, Home Improvement. And I think of that show. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then I see the stuff that's on today about the homosexual couple across the hall or down the street. Or I, I think of the, the new Roseanne how the little boy dresses like a girl, and that's totally okay. And we see how sin is celebrated in our media. We become very callous to sin. And that's what a callous is. You, you walk on your foot enough, it starts to hurt for a little while, but you build up tough skin, Get it on your hands if you work with your hands a lot.
things don't hurt anymore. Sin does not hurt our world anymore. We take a look at our political climate. Nothing is wrong in a world that where as everything is accepted. You know, people, politicians, many politicians will will say anything. Uh, they'll have affairs with whoever they want to have affairs with. And these are the people that were supposedly supposed to be looking up to, to, to guide us as a nation. I think one of the things that brings, big, uh, brings the biggest perspective change to a lot of us is that humanity is dying. Um, we take a look at what Adam and Eve had in the garden. They had the tree of life there for them to partake of. And one of the things that God says at the end of chapter 3 in Genesis is, uh, you know, I'm going to put a guard here so that mankind can't get to the tree of life and live forever. Could you imagine, and I, I know it's very difficult uh, being so far removed from it, but could you imagine physically living forever? <clears throat> Some days I wake up and I think, how did I make it to 41 and my, my knees hurt and I've had two knee surgeries and I'm like, I don't really want to get out of bed today. Can you imagine living forever? Nothing hurts. You walk out your door and you can you know, run a million miles if you want, I guess. I don't know. But because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, we don't have that luxury anymore. We have aches. We have pain. We have to work. We have to take care of the grass. You know, you have to get the weeds out if you want to grow crops or if you want to grow flowers. Childbirth, of course, the, the decree to women about pain in childbirth. All these things that humanity broke from God's perfect creation. turn over to Romans chapter 5, if you're still in Romans, chapter 5. Of course, in the beginning of chapter 5, Paul talks about Christ was sent at the right time for us. He tells us why in chapter 5, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. <clears throat> sin and death reigned from Adam to Moses. Adam's 
sin is what brought today's problems to bear. <clears throat> Hebrews tells us in chapter 9, verse 27, that it's, we're all going to face death at one point in our life. The Lord does not return before we all move on. We're all going to die one day. And again, that's a very somber perspective. Because nobody wants to die. I, I don't want to face my death. I think about it. It's hard not to think about sometimes. But I, I don't want to face my death. I don't want to know from a physical standpoint that I'm going to die one day. And I don't think anybody from a physical standpoint wants to die. Again, that's the difference between humanity who has accepted that there is no God and the difference between Christians who say, I'm putting my trust in you and that's going to lead to a hope that's going to lead to a longing sometimes to, to be with God one day. Paul said several times that he wanted to move on. But sometimes it was a necessity for him to remain. To, to help the church, to help it grow. But I think if Paul had his choice, he said, I would rather be with the Lord. And that's the difference between a dying humanity and a living Christian. You know, science is trying to extend life. They're trying to come up with a cure of everything. They're trying to cure cancer, HIV. But they're never going to cure our biggest problem, and that is just physical death. Because humanity cannot do it. There is no way that it's going to happen. Humanity is different. We sinned, we were delinquent to God. That caused us to be a dying people, but... I don't want that to be the last thing, and we got five minutes, so I don't want that to be the last thing because you're going to say, boy, was he a downer tonight. He is never going to teach again. <clears throat> we may be dying, we may be delinquent from God, but God sent his son to deliver us. There's a, a great passage, like we were in Romans chapter 5, there's lots of good things there. But I think one of the biggest things that I want to focus on right now is verse 6. For while we were still weak, while we were delinquent from God, while we were in our sins, acknowledging the creation more than the Creator, while we were doing all this stuff, Christ died for us. For you, for me, for every person on the world, on the earth. Ever lives, ever is going to live. He died for them all. 
God loved us so much. He sent His only Son to live like us, to experience the things that we experience every day, to be put to death by the hands of those He was trying to save, buried in another man's grave, and, and the Romans and the Jews thought, well, he's just going to, we'll forget about him. A couple weeks, Jesus will be forgotten. We've taken care of it. He'll be, it he won't matter. We thank God, though, that that's not the way things happen. Paul tells us, the Athenians and us in Acts chapter 17, how God desires us. He desires those who will seek His face. And again, I, we don't have time to read the entire passage in Acts chapter 17, but that's a great section of where Paul is talking to these thinkers, great thinkers of Greece, who had a multiplicity of gods. He said, this is the one you want to learn about. <clears throat> of course, we know everybody is called. Few will truly respond. A as we wrap up this evening, <clears throat> I'm hoping that we have gained some perspective into us, really. We often think that we know a lot. And we, we, we do know a lot. There are some things that we are never going to know. Humanity, while it continues to search for all the great mysteries that are out there, will never truly know everything. And the big thing that I want you to take away from tonight is... It's okay. We may not understand everything. And I, I, I hear a lot of people sometimes saying, well, when I get to heaven, I want to ask God this, or I want to ask God that, or I want to talk to, to Peter and ask him this. And I really only have one question, and, and I'll leave it with you tonight, that I would like to ask God. That is why. Why did you create us knowing what we would do? That's the only question I have. And I, I know I won't find it in this life, but I pray maybe one day it would be nice to know. I thank you for your time. Again, Lord willing, Todd will be back next week to talk about end times things. But I'm hoping that it will give you a perspective into some of the things that we're going to talk about as we go through the rest of his talk. Thank you.